0: Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Back Chat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
2: Well, this man right here, uh, welcome to Back Chat, by the way, powered by Fleet Network. This man right here has been on the very top of my list for a long period of time, Daniel Mm -hmm. Const. Same here. Uh, Has he? Mm. That's good to hear. We are joined on the podcast today by Daniel Pratt, my former backline coach and good friend, Pratty. Good to have you with us, mate. Good to be here. Um, Always welcome
0: another Dan in in, in here, so very excited. I'm
2: hoping we get a slight mix between um, coach Daniel Pratt and player Daniel Pratt. Because I know both of them and I know whatever other Daniel uh, Pratt there may be. Uh, does
0: one go by like Dan and one by Daniel or one yes, is Danny or that something? Is,
3: it's just
2: all Pratty. All <laughs>
0: Pratt-y. Okay, always pretty <laughs> a couple
3: of other nicknames, but won't go the
0: show.
2: Good. Um, I think your career uh, looking across it is quite unique and um, there's some great moments we're going to go through both as a coach and as a player. But we do start with the same question for every guest. And I know you are a Backchat fan. I know you are. So you should know what's coming here. Your greatest sporting achievement, we want to know what it is. Look, I know what you've done on the football field as a coach. You're a premiership winning assistant coach. You've been around some of the great football eras of the modern times, North Melbourne, Brisbane. You've been a VFL coach. Like you've done a lot at football land. Just want to start with don't care just for the moment. Okay, Freddie? This will be about you for the rest of it. But we want to know your greatest sporting achievement not on the football field what sort of sporting prowess do you own uh well i didn't actually think
3: about that question before i came here but uh i scored 100 in under 11s and i got dropped i was on 99 and i scored 100 that was my first 100 off a drop catch in the outfield on the fence so yeah it was at uh was at pine rivers primary school in uh queensland yeah wow yeah so that yeah it was a, it was a lucky one, I guess, in the end. So yeah, under elevens. Under elevens. That's a good effort, a hundred run. fifty balls, so. so. you were tonking. Wow. I was tonking. <laughs> yeah, it was on a concrete pitch as well. <laughs> the back of the belts. Yeah, yeah, It was uh, it
2: was pretty, it was pretty flat there. <laughs> what did the ball look like? It was, it was
3: no, it was one of those plastic ones they used to use in juniors. So wow, um, I
2: thought they used to like retire people at like thirty runs, like back at that. That
3: no, was fifty balls. They retired you, so I had to right. score. That's why I went for the tonk. I was I think it was on the last ball, yeah. So and the, bloke, the kid dropped effort. it. So
2: absolute <laughs> scenes, last ball gone the top dropped it over his head for six or? No no, I just got a single. <laughs> are, you, are
0: you raising the bat and stuff at that
2: age? <laughs> Raised the bat, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah so that's no, it was, uh that was V eight hundred I was using. Well done. Uh-huh.
2: Uh V eight hold. Is that the bat?
3: V V eight hundred yeah. oh, sorry, 600, 600 bat. I had the V
0: one hundred. It was very thin.
3: Yeah, it was that well I actually used to use that, but uh yeah, for some reason I was using that. Lucky we, you weren't bowling though. When yeah, you got you past five, nah,
2: no, way. <laughs> So, you grew up in Queensland, yep. Uh, fleet network powering the podcast this year. Remember your first car when you're hooning around the uh,
3: yeah, Harry hatchback? Uh, it was a Hyundai, uh, a light blue Hyundai XL 1987 or something like that. I can see you in that yeah. a light,
2: light colored hatchback, yeah, yeah. I did it. Handbrake
3: it was was uh, worn out by the end. So I, I grew up with hoons. My <laughs> mates were all hoons. So who so could do the best handbrakies and that it was, fr- was front wheel drive. Yeah, it was,
2: it was- that saw. sounded like there was some memories involved in the car. Like, <sighs> well, I drove
3: I home from school, from school once with no hands. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> As a dare. I, I had my sister and sister in the car. My, uh, comes up every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Mum, she has a couple of drinks. <laughs> she goes, yeah, she brings it up. She's still not happy about it. Well, so. as I use di- my knees. Yeah, oh, <laughs> as a yeah. dare. Nah, oh, no, oh no, just see if I can do it. <laughs> I lived, I lived about fifteen k from school too. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was right, right. Yeah, It wasn't wasn't very smart in hindsight. But uh, yeah, we lived out out back, so it wasn't wasn't a lot of uh, oh not out 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 back, but a fair way from from town. So, what so what's
2: life growing up like for you? Is it a sporting family? Are you, are you, <laughs> t- tell us tell us what it's like.
3: Uh, yeah, my so my old man old lady from Victoria, they moved up to, uh, Queensland. So I was moved up there when I was five and dad was pretty good at foot. I he used to tell me he was good at footy and cricket. So they got me into, to AFL, uh, when I was in grade one, so under sevens, so that was before I was kicked. Um, I had, I was a rugby league school as well. So yeah, had that sort of that choice and dad didn't really push me either way. Um, so yeah, so I ended up at the local footy club, Aspley, and uh, they're a pretty big club now in, I think they're the second or third biggest club in Queensland uh but yeah so that was that was the junior days and uh then played cricket at the local the local golf club had a cricket team uh that i played there as well so that was all you know northern
2: northern suburbs of brisbane i can't imagine that footy would have been a big thing in queensland back in the day though
3: no well it had a lot of a lot of names from a couple of names that the the guys used to use because i was was the only guy who played afl in my group of friends so they, they called it yeah, you don't want to say it the wrong way, but AFL. Yeah. Uh, and I used to cop I used to copy a bit of banter about it. But I played, I also played rugby league for the school, so I got to run around with those guys, which uh, the, you know, I don't know, the coordination's a bit different with the ball handling. So I think they got a bit of respect when you can pass and kick and do everything, and then you give them an AFL ball and ask them to the handball, and they don't know what they're doing. So, but then I don't think I think a lot of them were surprised when I ended up in the AFL. Because they, they, I don't think they didn't quite get it. But uh, when it all came to
2: end up going to AFL, they were they were a bit surprised. So you played across two teams in the AFL North Melbourne and Brisbane. You delisted three times, I believe. Yeah, Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. Yeah, we'll, I got we'll, the option to retire, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, you played at VFL level uh, with Box Hill, the Hawthorne affiliate side. Uh, then you've coached with West Coast. Did You coach at Hawthorne while you're playing there as well.
3: Yeah, yep. I was. I did like a mentoring development role under uh, Clarko and Luke Beveridge was the backline coach.
2: So you've been through a lot of different systems throughout, but you're from Queensland. Like, how do? You, what's the pathway of getting picked up initially by North Melbourne? You drafted in 2000. Again, like the talent pathways from Queensland probably weren't established at that stage.
3: No, there was there wasn't a lot of guys getting drafted from Queensland when I came through, and I was fortunate. We had a a really good, uh, group of guys who ended up playing eight, a lot of them played AFL it may have been 10, eight to 10 and that, that was the Rewalt draft. Right. So end of 2000, uh, so he was, uh, Riewoldt was number one. I was a bottom major that year. So I ended up in, uh, I was picked 42, ended up at North like yourself, mate, but, uh, bottom major, but there wasn't a lot going on. So I had to play senior footy, uh, in Queensland sort of get recognised. The under-18 programs were a little bit – they did look at it,
2: but there wasn't a lot of players coming out of it. Right. So you drafted with Drew Petrie, Sav Rocker, Daniel Motlop, Daniel Harris. That's a good draft class. Yeah, Dylan Smith, who was our first
3: pick, and and Corey Jones, who played 150 games. So yeah, right. there was a lot of uh, – they
2: got a lot of games out of that crew. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Did you provide any in your first couple of years at North Melbourne?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't provide – I provided a couple of uh, – a couple of games in pre-season, but uh, provided more headaches than for the coaching staff and
2: the club than uh, than performances on the field. So so North Melbourne won the premiership in 99. You yep. get drafted at the end of 2000. So you're effectively walking into a club in its premiership era. They won 96, right?
3: Yeah, 96, 96, 99.
2: 99. Yep. You're at the back end with some great players. Dennis Pagan's the coach. Yeah, Pagan. What's yep. that environment like walking into?
3: Oh, well, that – they had a lot of big dogs then. It was, uh, you know, this Stevens, Archer, Carey, uh, Johnny Blakey, Mick Martin. Simpson. Simpson, Shannon Grant. Uh, they A couple of guys had just left, like Peter Bella just finished, Glenn Freeborn. So they had a lot of uh, high-quality players. Uh, a couple had left, but there were still a lot of good players there uh, when I turned up. And they were, right at, they were right at the end of where they were at. They probably had one more look at it. I think they made the prelim in two thousand, so
2: two thousand and one was sort of the last look at it, and they they missed the eight. Right, and so what about you coming into that side as a young player <coughs> into an environment that's a winning environment, that's a ruthless environment? I'm assuming. Um, what's that like? Is it how did you take it, you personally?
3: Uh, well, it was it's a very social club, North. I, I don't know what it's like now, but um, when I was when I turned up, everyone was in. It was all in. So. Training, uh, trained train as hard as you could off the field. Uh, if the boys were doing something, everyone would go. Uh, it was that type of environment, so it was very inclusive. And as a, <clears throat> from my point of view, as a seven year old coming from a non football state, not exposed to those that the programs that the TAC Cup guys were, probably wasn't a good environment for me to come into. Right. Uh, but you make your own bed, so. Yeah, there was a couple of things I would have done differently in my time, but it was, a, it was a good environment, um, to learn about success. That was something I t- I'll always take from those first two years.
0: What was it like uh, walking into a club with Wayne Kerry? I mean, he's like the biggest, <coughs> one of the biggest names in the airfield at the time is he as, as advertised. Yeah. He,
3: he, he, was bigger than the game almost at that point. Cause he was such a good player. Uh, he's, uh, he's unity you know, bringing people together it was as good as i've seen like he'd, he'd ring up a rookie list or a sub list. had list back there so the 55th player he'd ring them up um to invite them to lunch or he'd go pick them up or he'd pay for some of their footy trip or whatever so yeah it was really unique environment uh, and it was driven the culture of um the mateship was driven from the top and obviously it got out of hand what happened but uh yeah it was it was definitely something that I wasn't uh didn't expect it anyway
2: so you're 17 when you get drafted you're two years there and you, you're delisted don't play a game i've heard you say both to me and publicly that you didn't think you were ready like and <clears throat> yeah. that's on reflection after you know 30 years in the game probably like what yeah well what part wasn't ready
3: well you come from oh, i've been living at home i've just finished year 12 so i went from schoolies straight to my first day of training. Pretty much, I, I left school, he's caught a train back up to Brisbane from the Gold Coast, got on a plane and then I was training the next day pretty much. So uh, I come from, you know, living with mum and dad, you know, 15k from school to, so I had to, you know, they had to drive me I had to catch a school bus and then I was living at home and I'd drive me around everywhere uh, to living in Melbourne with a host family. and. Uh, yeah, so it was a completely different environment. The way they the welfare system is now, like they they get things in place, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I probably would say I'm easily led uh, in that space. Like I, I was a social, I was a social um, person, so if something fun was happening, I was joining in, and that that probably that probably didn't help as a young player at an AFL club at a successful AFL club.
0: In those two years, were you did you think you were close to playing at, at times or? Did you, yeah, how close did you feel?
3: <laughs> I got told, I got told once I was playing and, uh, really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't get picked. So the senior players must have got told by Pago that I was playing or well, I was pretty close to playing. So they were congratulating me and got to the weekend and I didn't play. <laughs> so oh, that's brutal. So it was, I, I still remember it, like where I was sitting and everything at the club, like North Change Rooms were, it was pre- pretty much the same size as. This this area here, and uh, I remember shaking my hand, and and then it got to the last game, and I wasn't in the
2: wasn't in the squad. Is this on the Footy Show? You would have been
3: watching. Like, uh, where where are you where? Are you, where's the nah, squad? Well, no, I, fa- yeah, I found out. I don't know if I found it on the Footy Show,
2: but because that used to be a thing, right?
3: Yeah, uh, it it could it did happen sometimes, but it was probably more for uh, for senior players who were coming back in. They're like, oh yeah, I can't. Mean um, it wasn't like they just. You watch the footage show just to see if your name was in the emergencies. <laughs> Although I did do that a couple of times. <laughs> I've been emergency six times. How come I haven't been picked? Have you done that before? You, say? <laughs> you, be, you yeah. talk about yourself. So yeah, so uh, that was that was in that was in my first year. Uh and I didn't yeah, I didn't play. So and then yeah, the second year, uh I played really poorly until probably the last ten weeks and I hit so that was probably the best form I had. In probably as a, in my career, as a, even as a kid, but it was too late. Right. So I finished up at the end of that year. That was when uh, Pago finished up and Laidley came in and uh, took over. So I was in the bottom probably four on the list and I'd, had to make some changes. So would you have been clipped by uh, Pagan <laughs> or Laidley? I caught up with Danny the other day and I put that on her. <laughs> <laughs> and she blamed someone else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they well, they kept an eye on me uh, when uh, when it all happened. Uh, when I first came back, uh, I'll say Lades, so I don't get the terminology wrong, but Lades said to me, I've, I've been watching you when you're playing in Queensland when, I was, when you're at Brisbane. So, and Neville Stibart, who was the recruiting manager, uh, he he wanted to keep me at the end of that period. So he rang me at the end of my second year at Brisbane. Mm. And, uh, I actually didn't believe it was him when he rang me because I was talking to South Adelaide and I thought it was someone, uh, taking the piss out of me, really? so yeah, it's Neville Stibart here. And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, and, sure uh, it is, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause I was ready to go. Robert Pyman was coaching at South Adelaide. And I was ready to go to Adelaide. So this play. is after
2: two years on the rookie list at Brisbane, cause you get delisted by North Melbourne and then you get rookied by Brisbane. Yep. Rookied by Brisbane. 2003. Yeah.
3: Yep. And then, uh, so. Yeah, so that was at 2003 when they so they won that was the third year
2: of their uh, three premierships 2003 and then four they lost to Port, Port Adelaide so you've gone uh, missed 99 at kangaroos by a year effectively a winning Premiership um, two years they listed <laughs> first year at Brisbane as a rookie they win the flower you're involved in that squad in, yep. in you know I still see them you know arguments could be made for, for all of them, Hawthorne and Richmond, the sort of three big, you know, three-pate sort of teams. Uh, Brisbane, that era, the best, I think, the best out of all of them. You're there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, if because I, I got to experience it and I, I saw Hawthorne, geez, if you married him up against each other, it'd be a bloody good game. Mm. Uh, two completely different styles. One was just brute force and the other one was skill and high They both had high talent. But, yeah, Brisbane days was – that, that was, uh, it was good to, for me to go there after being at North cause, um, North were very, the unity was so high. And then I went to Brisbane and, and it was like, you gotta make it on your own, mate. right So there was, there was obviously the senior players were tight and they, uh, you know, they, I think they had a reunion this year, actually they would have their 10 year, uh, 20 year reunion this year, but saw some photos, but they had some very good players. And if you wanted to play with them, you had to earn your, your stripes right. and as a rookie, uh, it was actually good for me to be there cause I had to fight for that. Right. And I ended up playing in the second year I was there. So I, I was injured in the
2: first year and then the second year I played. So you played some games in a, in a team that plays in the grand final. So at any part of this, are you starting to evolve that side of your brain? That's like, I really, really want that success. Like you say, you're not ready at yeah. kangaroos, <laughs> you play a couple of years at Brisbane and around success the whole time. Are you developing that side where it's like, right, trying to figure out What's exactly is required to make it at that level?
3: Yeah, well, yeah, the figuring out was uh, figure out the hard way. So I remember at training, like you'd get, you know, everything was 100%. So you'd get tackled, you get your head pushed into the dirt. Both um, clubs? Uh, both clubs, yeah. I remember my first training, first practice match at North Intra Club. I tried to take Byron Pickett on. <laughs> out of that, that, that Oh, Not good. Because <laughs> I'd come from playing. Um, juniors in Queensland, and then I play play some state league. Yeah, uh, play state league for a year, and too, they hit hard. And and oh, state league they hit hard, but yeah. in juniors they don't. And uh, but then you got Byron Pickett and <laughs> uh, Dennis Pagan said to me, How are "You know, you're doing, mate. You know, now you know what you're doing, son." That's what he said to me after I got tackled, and I was like, "No, I don't." <laughs> so, uh, so but that and there was so there was that at North, but the the attitude at Brisbane was was. was bloody ruthless like and even from the coach it started from the coach yeah who drove that Lee Lee Matthews. Matthews. yeah well he told i've told this story to a couple of um players younger players when they you know you're working through ups and downs when they are young is as a rookie at brisbane you were told to get off the track so it was like right, rookies off so I'd, i would hide at the back of the group while he was talking to them so when the drill when everyone ran out to the drill, I'd just run out into the drill. So all the rookies would be on the side doing ground balls and I'd be in the drill. And I used to think if I do one thing wrong in this drill, I'm I'm off. He's gonna send me off. You may be delisted. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well it, that's what happened in the end. But <laughs> uh but yeah, so he he would go, All right, rookie's off. And uh because I was su- such a high talent, like the ball didn't touch the ground. Right. So and the, the drills were really basic, but the execution was just at the highest standard. So they used to do the around the um, square. So you just start on the corner, the center square, and you kick it to the leader in front. So it was like a forty-five degree kick to a player running onto it. And it was like guys were on tram tracks on the line. Like they'd never leave the center square line. Like they would just land in their lap. Right. So I was like, okay, if I don't land it there, I'm off. Uh, <laughs> Did he ever find you out there? I, re- I, I reckon he used to see me, and it was like a sink or swim. So right. that, that's how I took it. Mm. So Did you just
0: I, deliberately put that pressure on yourself?
3: No, I wanted to make, I wanted to play AFL. So I was thinking, well, I cannot stand over there. It happened at North as well. Like Pago would uh, kick bikes off the track if you weren't up to standard. So if you made two mistakes in a row, it's like, get off. And the co- you go over with I'm being sent to the time coach. out. Yeah, yeah. It was, and and, and at, at North, the The old Harden Street Council Ground, like the runoff, if it was had been raining, you were in the mud. You were in puddles, (laughs) like ankle deep puddles in front of the stand. So, yeah, you didn't. I spent a bit of time over there in my first two years because I just like miss easy kicks and stuff like that. But yeah, I use that story a little bit. Like you've got to, you've got to, like back yourself in and you know do what you can to stay involved.
2: Um, I want to bring the audience along with where my mind's at because. I so understand like Praddy and my relationship, we worked together for 10 years basically at West Coast. A lot of the time is, he is my backline coach. And a lot of these stories we would talk about because he's my coach and I'm coming to him going, why, like, why am I not in the fucking team? And he would sit calmly like he's sitting here <laughs> right now and just be this, this, and this. But it was because he's experienced a lot of things. And in little bits and ways, Praddy was actually me just in another era with different things that happened, <laughs> I think. So – Except I'm not a Premiership yeah, player. Well, maybe, but uh, you almost—you know, you and Simo did your best to make that not happen. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, no, that's a good—that's a good story. No, yeah, but we will get to that. But the other side of it is, I look at you as as a coach, and all of these coaches you played under—Pagan, uh, Clark, Bevo, Simo, um, Matthews—how you coached, you would have been without knowing it at the time, taking bits and pieces from these coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, like every, probably once a year I
3: sit down and reflect on everything, like my life, my life, my coaching, being a father, all that sort of stuff. And when I look at football, I think like the opportunity I've had to be under these people and Mm. it's, like they're the greats, some of them are the greats of coaching, um, and I go, well. Naturally, I would t- like. I still remember things that Pago used to say and what Lee Matthews used to say and Clarko would do and um, even Simo. You think, well, that's a pretty good, you know, intro- introduction to coaching and and how you can reflect on yourself as a coach
2: and what you do. So yeah, there's lots of things I would take from it. Who who gave the who 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 gave the biggest cooks like that? There's some highlight reels there, surely. Ah. Oh.
3: Yeah, Pago gave some good ones, uh, but they weren't, yeah, they weren't like, he wasn't screaming. He'd just say, I, I remember one day he looked at me and he just said, Take control of your, of your career, son. He looked, he asked me a question in a team meeting, and the way the North Rooms were set up, it was like a horseshoe, and, uh, All the indigenous boys used to sit against the wall that he wasn't looking at. So, like all of them together. So, and, you know, they'd be over like making faces at you when you got asked a question. (laughs) Uh, Daniel Watlop, Shannon Watlop. And then I was number 16, which was, I used to sit next to Dave Kelthorpe. He was 17, and we were front and center to Pago. So he was always looking straight at me. And he asked me a question one day, and I wasn't listening. And he just said, (laughs) take control of the football, So and That was in my second year. I reckon that was one of the things that turned my football around in, in that second year. And then I went back and I put together a plan how I was going to get into the team, but it was too late. Right. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it was a it was a moment. Um, I found a I found a postcard and I wrote the date. It was 16th, 16th to the sixteenth, sixteenth of um, the eighth, two thousand and two. I wrote it down. So it was in August. Yeah, yeah. So I still remember the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I try to find it. I try to find it this year. I had it somewhere, stacked away, and I try to find it for one of the one of the players this year. I was just going to talk about it with them, but that's very interesting. Yeah, so I still remember that day. Yeah, yeah. and then that that was pay and then uh, you know all the coaches have have their own way of getting through, and there's all ways you can motivate. Different ways you can motivate players. Sometimes it's yelling. Sometimes it's not talking to them. So. <laughs> You've experienced well, it Well, it's just funny, like, talking about <laughs> sending
2: blokes off the track. I remember distinctly Simo sending Dom shade off the track once, <laughs> <laughs> screaming, that's not you. He um he tried to pull a right foot, Dom being a left footer, <laughs> yeah. tried to pull a right foot worm burner through the middle of the ground and missed his target by about 50 metres <laughs> and ruined the whole drill. Simo on the whistle, stopped the drill, screaming at <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> a cheater,
2: get off Dom, that's not you. That's not you. Go and stand and watch training. At the time as a player, you're thinking, what? going on here but as coaches you there would be you're pulling levers the entire time right and you yeah. experience that as a player and you've experienced as a coach. Yeah the well, levers you pull.
3: Yeah well there's the well the I'm just I was just trying to think of some different things that happened but there was a lever that um Lades pulled one 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 year and it was quite uh it was quite funny how it all panned out but I was I was playing we we're playing against Port Adelaide I think it was two thousand and five and I was playing on Daniel Motlop and he's because he was from north and he went to Port Adelaide. So he was a very good player and he's got one on the lead and kicked the goal and lipping off, blah, blah, blah. Next one comes out of the centre bounce and he gets another one on the lead and he holds the ball out like that and I slapped it off his hand, 50 metres. <laughs> <laughs> so I come off the ground.
0: Slapped it out of his
3: head. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I gave away some stupid 50s. <laughs> and uh, come, I come off the ground and... Michael Kennedy was the, the uh, one of the uh, coaches has the phone and he gives me the phone and lays says, you will never play for this
2: fucking football club again. Go and have a shower.
3: <laughs> this in the second quarter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go and have a shower.
2: Go and have a shower.
3: So so while I'm running off, from when I run off to when I uh, get the phone to getting sprayed, so we're at, uh, it was at Amy Park. So, the dugout's quite low. So, I wasn't looking at the game. Glenn Archer gave away a 50 metre penalty and they kicked a goal.
2: Third, <laughs> so, third goal. This is the third. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, yeah. so I'm, while well, I'm on the bench, I didn't see it happen. So, he comes off and he sits next to me and Michael Kennedy, the phone guy, is laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? Because I'm like, Shadow, I'm thinking my career is done. Like, I'm done. And uh, anyway, he gets on the phone and Archer's like, yep. Yep. yep, And I go, oh, "What did he? What did he say to you?" He goes, "You just fucking saved Daniel Pratt's fucking career." <laughs> 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 so I go, "So at half time we're going to the change rooms, and I uh, <laughs> cop a spray." Fair enough. And Darren Crocker, who was the backline coach, comes up. And he's like, "Mate, just, just stay calm. It's all good." And I was like shattered. I was, I was actually thinking that was my last game. And then, uh, yeah. Five minutes into the third, I was back on the ground. So, yeah. so you didn't have a shower. I didn't have a shower, Fuck, but that's uh, funny. yeah. So Arch,
2: Arch saved my career. <laughs> oh, that is absolute Sorry. golden. Um, so yeah. that was two thousand five. Your second stint at North Melbourne. So yeah. you, you get delisted for the second time. Um, <laughs> don't look at me like <laughs> that. Two thousand four. Uh, is you? Do you think your AFL chance is done there after finishing at Brisbane?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. After I got that phone call from. Um, Neville Stibard, which I was really surprised about. Yeah. I was, I was really weighing up whether I just go to, because they offered me a rookie list spot. So my first four contracts was like 12 grand, 12 grand, 15 grand, 17 grand, something like that. Wow. And people talk about how much footballers get paid. Like we're talking about the top dogs get paid Yeah, and it's, it's leveled up out now, but I was weighing up taking a playing job at, in Adelaide and getting, playing a, a Playing in Adelaide, and then having a job that they were going to offer me. Yeah. So I, I was, I said I, I can't take a rookie list spot. And then they ended up coming around and they picked me up on the their last pick in the uh, pick in seventy four. Draft. Yeah, yeah, pick seventy four. So, so, so I was pretty someone lucky. Someone
0: made a list and said that you are the uh, the best player picked at pick seventy four. So seventy four? Oh, <laughs> well,
3: it's not. Yeah, you got to put an asterisk next to it because I had three chances. It's my third chance. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, there
2: you go. She's the. Uh, People go deep, don't they? I didn't even know that. The first game you played, uh, the, well, it would have been your first game for North Melbourne. Yep. Who was it against? Carlton. Who was coaching? Uh, Who was coaching Carlton? Uh, Pago. Dennis Pago.
3: Yep. Your yep. first AFL coach. First AFL coach, yep. Uh, played on any bets that day. Uh, gave away a stupid free kick at the end <laughs> of that game. It really cost us the game as well. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – yeah it was a long time ago
2: so you only played you played the three games at brisbane you didn't play in your first stint at north melbourne For people listening on what sort of player were you that didn't know you what sort of player were you you gave away some stupid free kicks but <laughs> nah, what were you good
3: i, at? I was I, I, well i prided myself on being aggressive and i think after my spending time at brisbane because they were they were mad in the gym uh, uh jonathan brown was just ruthless like you couldn't leave the gym. Till you did 200 chin-ups, 200 dips, 200 push-ups. That was after you'd done your session. Mm. Uh, that was every session. So I got so strong for my size. I was like, okay, I've got to take advantage of this because I wasn't a good, uh, good runner. I'd come. Sp- Spider Burton beat me in a time trial once. He's 211 <laughs> centimeters, so I ran over Feldy. Uh But uh,
2: yeah, so you're, I- take it. you're taking two steps here's one. Yeah, well, yeah,
3: he, should, he should win. He should win by twice as far. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I tried to, I tried to uh, be an aggressive player who was good at craft and contact, and then some form of intimidation could come off the back of that. Which that's half the battle as a backman is trying to mentally wear down your opponent, as you would know, Sgowie. So, I, I yeah, I tried to get that right, and I had some great uh, role models playing around me at the same time. So I had uh, you know, Arch and Lee Colbert, Troy Makepeace, um, Shannon Watt, just to name a few guys who uh, were quite good at craft, but really aggressive and tough players. So I sort of I fit that mold
2: and I tried to hold my end of the bargain up. I mean, obviously it has, but like a future, just to throw forward, the craft of backmanship, being a defender, Yep, that that's changed clearly. But the art of being able to get under your opponent's skin, do you think that, do we see that as much as we used to? Uh, or is there opportunities to do it? I think there's different ways
3: to do it now. Like you look at, um, like I, because I've coached him, you look at Gov, for example, McGovern, for example, his positioning and how tough he is intimidates the opposition, I think. Uh, mm. You know, Shannon Hearn, he intimidates with his strength. Oh, if there's a ground ball, people move out of his way. So they're guys who are, I've actually worked with, you. you can see what their intimidation factor is. That's interesting. But it's cha- it has changed because you used to have a set matchup all the time. Like maybe if you're a fullback, uh, you have a matchup. But when you're a halfback, like, you, as you know, like that, half the time, no one knows who they're on. Like It's just whoever you end up on at, at that moment. So you can't really intimidate a person when you're on them for 25 seconds and then you're on a new, pers- new player. So yes. it has changed. But the craft part hasn't changed. I actually think, the games become a bit more one-on-one the last couple of years.
2: I want to fast forward to a big moment in your career. So 2005, 2006, you played 17 games, 2005, 18 games, 2006. You're sort of starting to find your feet at the level. 2007, you played 25 games that year. You're third in the best and fairest at North Melbourne. Is that a career year for you, 2007? Yeah, that that was probably the best, close to the best year I had, yeah so you played in the prelim final that year to port adelaide got spanked got spanked yep 84 points yep but i want to take you back to i reckon it would have been around 19 of that season um you played at telstra dome or whatever it was called back then um north melbourne v west coast yep and you were backman so you've just spoken about what you're good at aggressive physical intimidator
3: Yep,
2: anyway, but, right to all those boxes, yeah,
3: something like that. Well, that's what I thought anyway. All right, so I'm not sure what
2: you were doing, but you must have been. Look, I don't know how this happened. I, I still, I still struggle to think whether the young player involved was in the forward line or you were in the forward line. But you ended up matched up um, in the goal square. It was you, uh, a teammate of yours. I can't remember. Uh, you know this story that I've heard. Um, Chris Jubb <laughs> was there in 2007. He's like last year at the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> And there was a there was a second game player in the goal square. Yeah, do you remember what I'm talking about? Well, I don't know who that player
3: was. You I, do I, know. I didn't know at the time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. My memory of this incident: I'm that second game player. This is my second game at AFL level. Just trying to, you know, just trying to find my feet, just trying to figure out what's going on in the goal square. My captain Chris Jard, who is highly. Uh, encumbered by groin injury op heavy onset on p op at that stage didn't play in the finals after this could have been his last game for west coast in fact uh i'm in there and i just start copping elbows to the back of my spine um elbows (laughs) knees in the back of the calves lipping off just just grubby behavior from daniel pratt (laughs) was, was grubby and it went on for quite a bit until chris judd grabbed Daniel Pratt by the throat and said, if you ever touch my my young player again, I will kill you. Yeah, he threatened to kill right. Prattie in the goal <laughs> square. And mm-hmm. I only remembered this fact about four years into you you coaching me. Do you remember it? I do. Because I remember it. When you brought it up, I, I'd forgotten about it, but I, I did remember.
3: And yeah, I remember getting into you. Stakes was there as well. Brent Staker. Yeah, he didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so So I remember I ended up fighting. Actually, I had a few choice to fight. Chicky used to, but he did the same thing, but when uh, a few years before, but uh, yeah, I ended up wrestling uh, Juddy for the rest of the game because he just played forward that day. So, geez, I I don't know how strong he was when he was good, but he was bloody strong. So, well, that, well, well, for a guy who had really bad OP. Yes. um, And I'm wrestling him and I'm thinking, geez, this guy's pretty strong. Yeah because uh, i'm used to playing on small small mid-sized forwards and then wrestling him so i can only imagine what he would have been like playing on him in the midfield at his best so that's probably why he won a couple of brown lows with his strength but yeah i remember
2: trying to intimidate you sounds, I, like, I, sounds
0: like you were up in the forward he, he was Ford he was forward. He
2: was forward, yeah. I um yeah, I yeah. take that experience and put it down to sort of how my career panned out actually. So we do have Daniel Pratt to thank for my <laughs> behaviour <laughs> as a player from that moment well, and a want i want like t- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just think it's a great story. Uh so uh prelim, you play in finals for North Melbourne, but never quite get it done. You're in the all Australian squad in two thousand and eight. Yep. Um playing good footy. Three years after that, you play 35 games over the next three years and then career over. Yep. What are your reflections overall as a, as a player? You, you start, you're not ready, another club, delisted a couple of times, uh, AFL level, what's your reflection? It's
3: it's hard to say, like reflecting on it, because there's so many factors that influence it through the time, but I, I feel like I left some games on the table. Like, So you go, well, if I'd have done this differently or been more professional... I wouldn't have said I was the most professional player going around. Uh, I was more of the unity type player. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll train hard. I'll make sure everyone's tight. So I'll go out with them, have a beer after the game, whatever. Uh, you know, that sort of approach. And then I'll play hard on game day. But then it, it catches up with your body at AFL. You can't, what we used to do in the mid-2000s, and it was probably worse in the 90s, you can't, you couldn't do it now like with off the field going out and having, you know, 50, not, you have 50 drinks, but having having every Saturday night after a game, you go out and have a drink and you just can't do it now. The, the game's, it's too dynamic. So on reflection, I probably could have handled that better. And I look at guys who I got drafted with, like Drew Petrie, plays 300 and something games. Now he he was a extreme talent. So I don't want to compare myself on that front to him, but very good player. So I think, well, did I miss out on 80 games to get, you know, get to two hundred or do I go, Well, it's just the experience of what it was, which I actually think's on reflection, like if I look now, I don't regret it anything. So it probably helped me to where, to get to where I am now.
0: When when you look back over all your playing career, can you pinpoint what changed in sort of oh six, oh seven for you to I mean, going from being delisted and dropped and hardly playing to then all all Australian squad, like something must have clicked.
3: Uh oh Dean Laley helped helped like when the coach has belief in you then and you can you can feel it, it definitely helps but as a coach now I try to instill that with the player like the belief is high and it takes sometimes players don't believe it uh, and, and you go well for me that that was what got me going so and you can't treat every player the same but um, Dean at the time, Dean was able to uh, do that, and some of it was whacking me over the head, and some of it was giving me confidence by um, what was said. So, I think that made a big difference uh, to. And then, if you're gonna if you're gonna draft a guy for the second time, you got to play him. So then, I felt like my talent not saying I was talented, but the talent was able to then be on show at AFL level. Uh, and then, you know, it, it sort of all lined up well. So I go, oh, wrong place, wrong time. Early days, maybe, maybe not. Did that help with me being able to make it to that level? So I might not have made it to that level if I had have got gifted games when I was a kid. So
0: So then now as a coach, are you, do you sort of um, try to instill that belief in players that maybe you think don't actually have it? Like are you hoping that maybe you can just unlock something? Or at that level, does everyone have the ability to do that?
3: Uh, well, you don't get drafted if you don't have ability. And it's probably the, the last, I don't know what percentage it would be, maybe five, 10% in the head. So well, obviously these guys who are better players than others. Like if you're a first round pick, you're obviously a high talent. But if you're second round onwards, yeah, you can you can make it easily if you're mentally prepared or mentally tough. It's probably the, a better way to describe it for simplicity. But yeah, I, I when you're a coach you think a lot about how you motivate the players because some players don't believe you like and they don't believe you believe in them that's the other thing and how you how you try to motivate them it's like you're constantly thinking about it so I'm trying to work out how to explain it but um if they don't if the player doesn't believe you it's very hard if they don't believe you believe in them and I when I coach a player I want that player to make it so whether they're the last player on the list of the first player when i'm talking to them i w- i want them to make it uh well sometimes i don't know if the players believe that yeah that, that's
2: the that's the biggest challenge as a coach bringing the belief so in between your time as an afl player you said you were getting the option to retire but you were, you were delisted for a third time yep uh why didn't you want to retire no well, i was 28 so i still
3: wanted I, st- I might have been 27 actually well whatever i was i was trying to i thought well I've still I still can play at this level if I get my body right, which I I could because you know, my last year I only played eleven or ten or eleven games it would have been but um, I was able to compete at that level uh, for the most part when my body was my body was good but uh, that was the, my biggest challenge so I tried to get to other clubs but it, it didn't eventuate which is fair enough like I hadn't performed well enough for the last twelve months so. Uh, wasn't surprised and then, yeah, it finished up. So I, I, I would, I'm would, i happy to say I was delisted
2: three times. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a badge, badge of pride, those sorts of areas. That's what it is, mate. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> you become the captain of Box Hill VFL side uh, over the next couple of years, 2012, 2013, leading your own side. You didn't have that opportunity at AFL level, clearly, but uh, captaining, they win a flag in 2013. You miss it.
3: Yeah, I didn't get to play. Maybe the first captain in history not to get picked for the group. No, well, so when I went to Hawthorne, I was looking to get into coaching. Like to, I'd been doing stuff for my coaching, but I wanted to get further in. So uh, Clarko and and Fag, because Fagan. Uh, i remember meeting them, and they they said, "Oh, look, can you help with our the development of our young players and the integration of the Box Hill players and the." Hawthorne players, and then you can do some backline stuff under Be- Luke Beveridge. So yeah,
2: pretty three good coaches just there: yeah. Clarkson, Fagan, Beveridge. Yeah, yeah,
3: all very different, but yeah, uh, yeah all you know pretty successful coaches. So uh, and then and then you can play. So yeah, so I got to play and uh, and develop my coaching at the same time, which is really I really enjoyed playing at So They were a great bunch of guys. So I had guys coming from no, I didn't. The club had guys coming from um eastern eastern ranges uh some dandenong kids stingrays kids and a few other guys from different spots and then they're playing with the hawthorn list of players so i really tried to with with the knowledge i had from being at north with the unity i tried to connect it up um from that end the other end is obviously the football so then i was you know just trying to provide some uh leadership on game day with contest and stuff like that because when, once you go to VFL and you, I was also working some other jobs, I was working for the AFL at the same time, my commitment to football was dropping away. So I was like, well, if I can't. My-
1: a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. body can't hold up for like the
3: endurance part, I'm going to compete when the ball comes in my area as hard as I can. So i try to provide that. Got to the second year and I got knocked out a couple of times. And because of the, you know, the backlog of unprofessionalism as, a, as an athlete, I started getting, I had hamstring injuries at the end of my playing career in the AFL and that led to the same in the VFL. And then I played a game, I missed about six weeks and I played the grand final of the reserves the week before the, um, VFL grand final. So the VFL reserves grand final, and that was my first game back and I I wasn't right. And, uh, when it came to the crunch, uh, Hawthorne knew it was knew as well. And they played a kid, which was fair enough. I I had no, no issue with it. I was flat, I was flat, but I was in coaching territory by that stage. And I was like, well. If you, you can play a kid who's fit, who's on the list, uh, it's better than playing, a go- we're playing at Had as well, we'll Telstra whatever it was, Eddie Had then, and I was thinking, geez, if I have to stretch out, I'm, I'm done. But that, they'd already made the decision Hawthorne. So I didn't have to decide.
0: Did, did you win the reserves grand final?
3: No, we lost by, we lost in gold, golden point because the prelim oh. for the VFL was after the game and it went for about 10, 12 minutes. Without a score, it was it Port Melbourne? It was Golden Point, like first score wins. First goal, and it was a rush behind <clears throat> by Caden and Brand. And I'll hold it against him forever. No, he uh, so they played it was against Williamstown, and they Williamstown been about 100 points two weeks before. And it was uh, a yeah, Golden Point rush behind to lose the granny.
0: Did he, did he not know that that would be counted? Oh, he, he couldn't have done anything. He was on the right. goal line
3: and he was getting ploughed by a couple of players.
2: Like he tried, I think he tried to keep it in, but wow. um, yeah, it was a bit flattening. I mean, it's just an interesting perspective to be able to remove yourself from a clearly emotional situation. Like you can say what you like now, sitting back looking at it, but to be the captain of the side, and whether you're right or not, you're still the captain, and you're a senior player, and you know they're going to be an opportunity to win a premiership. That's
3: yeah. Oh, I, I th- one of the thing that I think's probably unique about how I go about. It, I don't know if it's good or bad thing is, like, I'll put myself above the the other thing for the greater cause. I, I've always sort of done it, so um, yeah. I don't know if that's gloating or if that's just is what it is, but yeah. When it happened, I, I, the worst part was having to get up and receive, like, get the cup. So David Mira, who was the vice captain, he received the cup and he called me up on stage. So I, oh, this is after the grand final. So I'm walking up there, like, in my tracksuit, holding the cup, oh. and someone sent me a photo because they had their reunion this year, and I couldn't go because of because I was working, and uh, it's got me like the straightest face you've ever seen holding oh. the cup. But I wasn't sad. Uh that they they'll be taking the taking the Mickey out of me. So uh but yeah, it is what it is. Like I'm it's I'm glad those guys won it. And Damien Carroll, he actually gave me his his medal, which I'm like, well it's not mine. So do I give it back to him or I've still got it. I, I, I want to give it back to him. But it's like I, nice I haven't had gesture, it when I've seen him.
0: But you but yeah do you want to actually have it? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, it is uh, yeah
3: I, I it's sort of like a it was a significant moment at the time but now for me I, I'm like I'm glad it worked out how it did because I don't think I deserve to play ahead of the guys who had been playing like I, I'd missed like 10 weeks of the back half of the year so it would have been really unfair there was other guys who didn't play who got dropped after the prelim who deserved to play ahead of me so yeah, and I'm still mates with good mates with a couple of them, and they they probably deserve the medal more than
2: me. Adam Simpson uh, joins West Coast as the head coach 2014, and you come with him 2014. Yep. You're appointed as a development coach at the Footy Club. What uh, that's got to be a big moment first first real shot AFL coaching land.
3: Yeah, it was uh well, Simo rang me when he got the job, and he said oh, I want you to come over. So he brought Brady Rawlings over as well. So we came over together and. Uh, we lived with each other for the first probably five, six weeks, which which was good, uh, especially when are trying to build a game plan and he's a new coach and he's throwing ideas around. So he had some people to listen in, um, give some feedback, uh, and it was good for me too because I had, I had a little bit of protection, I guess, from him. So I could have had some freedom, uh, but because he's a good mate of mine, he also can be extremely ruthless on me so which you probably know that anyway yeah. so uh yeah so that was good that was good uh, opportunity for me to come over here and it been, was, it's ten, been 10 years
2: well, well it was always one thing i did want to ask about was your relationship with simo because he, yeah he brings you over you develop into one of his you know senior assistants and i know that's not a title you have but like you're you're an assistant of a line in a premiership year but you always had a it wasn't a volatile relationship but like you could both go whack between the eyes pretty significantly and I was probably like, I saw that firsthand a couple of times, which Mm. I personally, I I love that shit, but (laughs) it was a, it was a unique relationship. Yeah. Is, is. is.
3: Yeah. It's, it's sort of changed our relationship over the years. Um, When, when I was a player, when I got drafted, he was, I think he was 24, I was 17. So I was a little bit of a gap and he started having kids. And so we, we, we're always mates and then, uh, probably the last couple of years when I was a player, we became quite tight. And then when he went to Hawthorne, I think some of that had to do with me ending up there a little bit, and then coming over here. But then once you get set and you know what you're doing, I guess probably a good way to put it, not not saying I knew what I was doing, but I was confident in what I was doing. I'm happy to stand up for to believe in. So there was times where I probably went too far because he was my mate. If it had been a different, say if it was uh, say Wusha was still the coach at the time. And I had a really strong opinion on something. Um, unless I could really back it up or it was like, I'll die for this. I'll, I probably would let some things go. But I think that was one of the reasons why it got me because, you know, it's easy to be, to say, yes, okay, I'll do that. Or when, But when you believe in something, I was able to fight with him on it. And uh, and the greatest strength of his is when we left, or well, say the match committee room or when we finished an argument, we'd leave and that was the end of it. I was like, okay, what's going on? What are you you doing on the weekend? It was was very unique. So, uh, yeah, I I thank him a lot for the opportunity and the relationship's been great. And and having some success along the way um,
2: made it all worth it. 2015 is one of those years that I think is a successful year. Ultimately, it's not the premiership, but there's only one side that does that every year. I don't have a lot of memories from 2015, Um, the game. uh, I remember how hot it was. I remember the crowd. I remember... Feeling like I couldn't run, I just, just dead in my dead in my tracks kind of thing. But and I don't remember any coaches' addresses other than yours. I remember you at halftime. We weren't really a sprayer as a coach, like every now and then you could, but you sprayed us at halftime of the 2015 grand final. We did your best anyway. Remember this? I don't don't remember. Um, no. so you were team defense coach if I remember correctly. Yep. And, yep. And we were defending poorly. Yeah, well and, that, they own, they just owned the ball on us that day. Yeah. So they
3: made the ground big. I just remember you, I
2: remember you coming in, you had the whole team together which you never did during the year and you'd never done post and you and you were trying to drive team defense with a bit of you know not a fagan, no not a pagan spray, but it was a some sort of version of that. Yeah. Did it work or no. not? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah,
3: stay in your lane. So nah no, I, I don't know I, I can't remember. I can't remember it, but I do remember they picked us apart that day. So, yeah. yeah it, was, it actually helped with what we did after that. So that game. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Well, because we, we were quite, our pressure on the ball was always pretty good and uh helps when you got Nick in the ruck and you get the ball going your way and then put pressure on and uh, panic if Panic sets in and you, we're a bit more of a zoning defense then. Then you can, uh, you get good intercepts and you can score off it. It's easy to score off intercepts when you're a zoning defence, because no one's in, there's no one on you when you get it back. So, uh, so that we sort of transitioned to a different sort of style after that, a bit more, a bit more accountable with the defence because they they did kick the ball around on us a little bit. They handled the pressure quite well,
2: and uh, yeah, that's why they won on the day. So a lot of this sort of stuff that people start to hear over this coaching chat we're about to have, you know, I've always found you quite analytical with a lot of the stuff you did and good understanding of why things happen and, and how. So. I'll try and interject when you're getting a bit too coachy on us, but I personally enjoy it in terms of, you know, yep. like just the transition and the, hey, it's easy to score going back the other way when no one's standing on them. I don't think people understand that. You you no. do. But the element of defending people, I think an audience would think, oh, it's just, you know, the ball comes into the back line and you defend, you beat, you beat your man and stop them from scoring. There's an element yeah. of that that, right? Yeah, there
3: is. Well, the last line of defense is the last line of defense, like, you have to you have to defend. So,
2: but up the ground, it's a little bit different. Can you talk about some key things that you used to or have driven as a backline coach over the years? Like key oh, key key things that you thought were important to be a good backline?
3: Um, well, everything everything is connected. So, you need a good midfield. I know you hate me saying this, guy. You need a good midfield to be a good backline. Correct. Uh, you need good forwards to put pressure on when the ball's in there so your players can stand in aggressive spots it's pretty it's not complicated but there there's, there are layers to it i think being a good defender is being able to have a contest when you when it's not in your favor so to make a 60 40 or 40 60 against into a win or you know some you know i've seen you know, Gov's probably one of the better ones i've seen purely cuz i've coached him but these other guys who do it as well eric was the same he's a completely different defender Eric mckenzie to gov but and yourself making a 20 20 80 percent chance of winning it into a win that's i think good defenders especially key position and last line defenders where the high half backs is like get pressure on the ball so those guys can do their job it's probably as simple as it gets from a defensive point of view and then you need to counter counter attack as well so you need to be able to go back at opposition you can't just be a good Lockdown defense
2: and expect to win big games. A couple of things that resonate with me that I remember that I thought you drove a lot, like consistently over the journey, was keep your feet. That's the number one rule of being a backman. Yep. Why? Or why?
3: You can't win contests if you're lying on the ground.
2: I, I just don't, I don't think, I know it. I, Dan, yeah. have you ever heard that? That the number one thing to being a good backman is to keep your feet? I mean, if you heard that? It might make sense I mean, to you. I mean, that.
0: not directly, but I think it makes that's sense. interesting. And you drive every day. I
2: heard you say that. That was my.
3: That's my number one rule. Yep. But, and I, I, got taught the same. I, Brad Scott, he used to get me in and show me all the times I fell over, and he goes, "You can't play on this team unless you keep your feet." And I, he was spot on. So I took that from him. I was, yeah. You know, he hasn't had the ultimate success, but he's been pretty close. And uh, it's a rule that I reckon will stay in footy for the next thousand years if <laughs> we're still alive in thousand years. So, one yeah. touch player, like clean yep. below your feet. Like- yep. One touch, clean and tough. Yep. You would have heard that a lot, clean and tough. What does that mean? Yep. Just pick, if the ball's rolling to you, just pick it up. I, I, I don't know how many times I would say <laughs> when the ball's on the ground and you're over it, nothing else can stop you from picking it up. So if you want to. Yep. Yeah. If you want to. If someone, someone can try to stop you, but if you really want to get it, you can get
2: it. Right. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of, Come on, give me some what, what, did, what did,
0: what did you, um, while you think it was, what did you think of the, like, um, the chatter around the Weagles web that became like such a thing talked about around the league?
2: Adrian hit, was the coach at that time? He was the, he back was line the backline coach. coach.
3: Yeah. It was, in, it was probably what I was, a bit what I was talking about before. Like the, uh, it's, well, that was what people spoke about it externally. So that's what it got named, but it was probably on the back of me, Eric McKenzie and Brownie doing their knees in the preseason because that's when Gov sort of came on the scene and you were playing on the wing, um, maybe a bit of forward as well. Mm-hmm. And you came back and then we had the um, the misfits down back. It was Sherrod, yep. Uh,
2: Butler. Yep. Uh, Shep probably. Shep. Yep. Uh, X. Yep. X Ellis. Uh, who else was there? I mean, Jets was like in and out of sort of… Yeah, yeah, he was coming. Bunga was there.
3: Bunger yeah. So
2: he had like this
3: eclectic crew is probably the best way to describe it and they could somehow were connected so that was Hickmott was driving the backs and then uh, as a we sort of connected up the team connected up with the defensive stuff Uh, somehow we got I won't say somehow like we worked (laughs) super hard on a few parts of the game but it wasn't it wasn't so much what the the web whatever it was called was doing it was like how much pressure can you get on the ball and that they gave guys confidence to stand where they wanted to. So, yeah, I don't think anyone – Simo probably has to take credit for it because he was the one who was coaching at the time when it happened, gave the freedom for the coaches and players to do their thing and he just nurtured it. So, yeah, it was – I I remember getting talked about a little bit. I remember they used to put the the behind-the-goals shots up of people just standing on their own. I'm like, is Sherrod (laughs) standing there because he means to or just because he (laughs) ended up there? (laughs) So – but he, was, he could intercept from anywhere, that guy. He sets yeah. such elite closing speed and he was so strong that he'd be in the worst position and he'd somehow get a hand in or intercept it. So it knowing, a, knowing your
2: teammates incredibly, like what you're talking about yeah. is the knowledge of what your teammates can do, right? Yeah.
3: Well, the, I, I remember the back line. used to have two-hour meetings with Hick. used to sit in that lecture theatre and I used to be like, are they finishing there yet? But they were talking about, like the intricacies of what was happening, and you know, some of it might have been too deep, and some of it was probably really helpful. So, but hit uh, hit gave the boys the freedom to um, decide what was going to happen down there. Keep the ball in front is one of oh, your ball ball to the front. Yeah, I've got when I when I review the game that you code it uh, and like see so you, when you're reviewing it, there's tabs that you so you can organize stuff. And I've got like keep your feet clean and tough. Ball to, it was BTF ball to front um like there things i had little things like that so i'd only click them if they didn't do it because once they got good at it it was more of a okay this is going to lead to something good so i could show it as a positive clip but the it was really obvious when you didn't get the other parts right like the ball to the front for example you let the ball over the back because we were at that stage where we standing in front of your man there's no layer of defense behind so
2: yeah so it's Good, Scobie. I didn't know if you'd listen to me all the time. So, <laughs> yep. 2018, I want to talk about that. Um, and there's lots of different ways we can cover this and talk about it in generalities, but uh, generalities, that's, I'm not going to try that again. You nailed it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about you, you and I specifically, our relationship through that yep. year, because I think it's an interesting one. And it's one I tell quite a lot, but not specifically between you and I. So, round one. Um, is the first game at Optus Stadium in 2018? We spent that entire preseason talking about winning that game. Do yep. you remember that as coaches? Yeah, that well, was, was a big first, deal to win that game. It Was the first game at Optus? Yep, against Sydney. We did. We did Premiership Cup in the middle. I think we did like all like the, the the um you know 92, 94, 06 cups in the middle. In the middle of Optus, were it was about winning that game. I got picked. Praddy played brass on Franklin. True or false?
3: Yeah. Yep.
2: True. true true yep Franklin kicked five goals on brass and then they decided to put me on him true yep. or false
3: yeah yeah well you're you're telling the story I mate. know <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: uh yeah yeah this this happened yeah Franklin Franklin Fra- Franklin, Franklin, <laughs> Franklin kicked eight goals Sydney win yeah <laughs> like puts the whole priest <laughs> <in. laughs> uh somehow I get I get I get dropped
3: oh did you I, I, I don't even remember so that, that I know you that dropped. you've had
2: a lot of footy but this is this is why I wanted to talk so uh, well, this is your experience so it's, it's so <clears throat> at the end of round one we have our meeting we actually did it in Laker and we were doing our review and I got a phone call and one of my best mates passed away that's right um, yep. he got uh, hit by a truck in Sydney I've spoken about a bit on this podcast and we we're in the middle of our review and I didn't tell you that that was a phone call I got I saw the phone picked it up listened put it down and I've finished the review, and you and you wouldn't remember that either, probably. And then at the end of it, I said, "I think you said something like it, you know, it's not look, not looking good for next week or something like that." And I said, "No worries, mate. I'm I'm done anyway." Walked off, um, went to the funeral. I was out of the side for about ten weeks after that round one, yep. and was dropped. Um, can you remember that year between uh, not you and I necessarily, but that first part of the year from building up a preseason to losing that round one? To then building some sort of form coming into sort of the middle of the year of 2018 but so you're talking about you or no nah, you yeah. i do remember calling you on the way back from the funeral and um coming up with some sort of you know i want to do this this and this
3: yeah geez it's hard yeah, I I, it's hard to remember because this is your experience like because yeah, exactly. it was with you you know you have lots of conversations with players i do remember that game like we we probably too aggressive on trying to put pressure on the ball against Sydney, which
2: mm. so uh, left Buddy and a defender one on one inside. 50. So I,
3: I've got Simo blame me for that loss, but because uh, <laughs> we won ten in a row after that, yes. so I don't know if it coincided with you being out of the team. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but obviously what you went through in that period would have been extremely tough. So I think um, I, I do remember working because you're one of my players at the time. So and as I said before, like you want every player to play and they can't but that year was really important the the east perth relationship because we had a lot of players who played in the grand final that year who played for east perth so um not specifically about you but i think that was important that we had that relationship set up right because then it allowed whatever those three things that you want to work on we're pretty
2: connected with them so definitely helped us in the long run 2018 for me like uh I remember a lot of Frank conversations with you, and we're talking about the Simo thing. And this is yep. why I was sort of mentioning the stuff at the start with Frank conversations. Do you remember like those? Nothing specific, well, but I remember
3: conversations with you because uh, they'd have to be like I, I couldn't I couldn't mix my words. Like I had to be direct to make sure that you were clear when you left because because you are like, how you how you look at things. You're like, okay, I'm going to get on with it. What do I need to do? So I'd always make sure I didn't say anything that was going to cloud your mind with the wrong thing like or you'd interpret it the wrong way and then you just go down this different path. And, you know, I think it's a strength of yours, but it's also was a weakness because if yeah. it goes the wrong way, which it's not always your fault, but if it, if I say the wrong thing, then you go the wrong way, mm. then I'm to blame, not you. Mm. So I really tried to make sure that I was clear, which meant I had to be direct with you because you are quite stubborn that's is that a good way to put it ben? yeah <laughs> absolutely and uh <laughs> and we'd have to i'd have to fight fight my way through sometimes as you you know and you fight back and i i respected that because it, we, we got to the we actually ended up getting to the core of what we wanted to talk about by doing it so yeah I, I actually really enjoyed that relation that part of the relationship with you because i could tell you the truth and whether you didn't like it whether you liked it or not you would still take that feedback because you're going to, if you're gonna give me that feedback I'll tell you what I think but I'll have to respect what you've said so I actually really
2: like that part of the relationship because different different players don't feel yeah. do that way is that different like is that is that different to most is that
3: no that's no, it's you're 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 quite unique in that space um other people um the conversation can be really short and other players has to be a bit longer or like how you approach it every player is so different like yeah. that's constantly what you're trying to work out as a coach is what do I need to say next? Even even in line meetings as a group, when they, everyone's together because of that dynamic, it's what do I say to this group to get the right outcome? Because if you say the wrong thing, it can it can drag on for weeks or a day or a week or like you never know, and that's you're constantly thinking about that.
2: Towards the back end of that year, <clears throat> I developed into sort of probably more of a role playing. You know, all, all the way through my career, I was doing different things: back wing, whatever key. But towards the back end playing some roles and played in the last game of four finals and uh, a couple of boys weren't in the team, Jets being one of them, and we finished top four by and then that first uh, qualifying final, um, which I was dropped for. Do, yeah. you, do you remember? <laughs> I do remember, yeah. Do, do you remember? What,
3: do you want to tell a story? No. No, no, I want you to tell a story because it was, I think, like the way I did
2: it was basically what we just spoke about. Is I had to be straight to the point. Well, so, you were the guy that rang me. Simo didn't ring. You rang me first.
3: Uh, did yeah? I can't remember. Maybe the order. I, I reckon. No, mate, no, I, I, reckon I reckon
2: he me. spoke to you. Simo, Simo rang me. I gave him about twenty seconds on the phone, and then I hung up on <laughs> him. You, yeah. And then I rang you, and I was quite aggressive with you. Yeah, you were. Yep. Um, because it was the most aggressive I've been after all this sort of back and forth with being stubborn and direct, which is all absolutely fucking correct.
3: Is this is this about just me and you? This yeah, whole it podcast? is yeah, absolutely. sharing yes. <laughs> yeah, some that. grievances. <laughs> no, no grievance. Yeah. There's certainly no
2: grievances. In fact, if anything, it's the opposite. But I was aggressive because I was yeah, angry were. at that stage, and that, I'd just been told as a senior player that I was out of the side. There was a there was a younger player, my best mate probably at the club, Tom Brass was in, and there's some other movement around it. But basically, I saw it as Tom Brass v me, and you picked Tom Brass. And I was aggressive with you. Yeah, yeah. And you were driving at the time.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was driving with my You tell us, sorry.
2: You remember this. I know you remember
3: this. No, well, well, the selection part, um, I think I actually said to you, yeah, it was my decision. So, but I think I said that. I can't remember exactly how the team came about. Um, But as a coach, you can always say it was a match committee decision because it usually is. But I remember I had to say that to you to to get it through to you so i don't even remember if it was that or not but so i was driving my car down west coast highway and i was coming up to just i was going between the boulevard and Hale road and i had my missus in the car and you were in tears and yeah. she was in tears you were both in tears because she's
0: so it's on bluetooth like on bluetooth, this, is, him, this is yeah this yeah. is
3: on uh, on bluetooth so she's crying Scully's. I think he was crying. Oh, I was crying. I was fucking. And uh, I was being so blunt. Um, (laughs) I wasn't being blunt, but I wasn't being uh, mean. I was just had to be direct because the decision had already been made. So there was nothing that was going to change it. And I was pretty much telling from what you might recall is telling you got to get on with it. Mm. So that was one of the harder conversations I've had. Uh, But then I got some direct and honest feedback. Once I got off the phone from my partner, is that right? Yeah, she said I was too mean to you. Mm. She said you can't, you can't tell players that. So I was like, well, I know Scully real well, and it was the only way
2: <laughs> that I thought could keep you moving forward. So I speak about that year. So and the reason I mentioned Andy passing away, it was a roller coaster year for me. Um, started well, was in the team, picked round one, only happened four times during my career, uh, and then. <laughs> You sound this. like Sam Butler. Like- you, oh, like, you're always looking for the, you know, the next best thing. Right? You know, how about you just pick the blokes that get their older anyway? Uh, <laughs> so start started like that, Andy passed away off a cliff, had my first son, Nash, during the middle of the year, got back into the side, coming well, and then getting dropped. I speak about that moment, and it sounds ridiculous. You lose people with grief and how you're feeling and all this stuff. But at that time, that was the worst thing that had happened in my life. Like, And, and I told you that on the phone, and I felt like it was like, it was losing my identity as a person mm. because at that time I felt like football defined me, and yeah, well, that's what you think when you're a footballer. Yeah, so you think it's
3: the most important thing that moment in time, but as you would know now, mm. it's just a moment in time. Mm. Like when you, it's more important to be a father than a footballer. Correct. So, um, yeah, and I, when I when I, I remember the conversation really well, I, I just remember thinking I've got to make sure this guy moves on from this really quick, so that was a whole basis of the conversation. I spoke to Simo between you and him. So,
0: um, yeah. At any point, had you thought like, there's a chance he could get back into the team or when you're making that call, are you thinking this is probably the season now for him?
3: No, nah, no, nah, not at all. Not at all. One thing that, you know, most clubs probably drive is that the whole list wins premierships. So any team that wins a premiership would know that. So I didn't think it was the end. I just thought it was that game but like lots can change it is hard to get back in the team when you're out it's harder to get out of the team than it is to get in the team so um, yeah I didn't think it was the end though I wasn't I didn't know it was going to happen like, who would have known what happened the next week when Shep got injured but yeah you sort of you can't look at it that way because if that was the end what does Scoy do if that was the end of the year does he just pack up and leave
2: <laughs> like mm. so you can't look at it like that in professional sport it was the lowest part of my professional career just like that moment and it was just interesting because Praddy was the guy I sort of shared it with basically and Praddy's partner um. <laughs> she loved it <laughs> <laughs> so we go on and win the flag I'm back in the side um, what's your reflections on that because we've kind of covered your whole career as both a coach and a player did you win a flag during that period that I missed
3: I didn't um I didn't win it didn't I didn't play in any flags at senior level so lost one in 2000 for Northern Eagles in Queensland against Southport and then yeah missed the one when I was a player at the VFL and then experiencing the uh I didn't get to play in any when I was at club so at Brisbane I got to Sam I think being around it has helped a lot because you you can see what what's right and wrong like what influences it but uh, and you can't I can't put my finger on it if you ask me. But when it's happening, you sort of know it's happening. Like in '18, I knew, especially when we got on a roll. I think we beat Richmond at the at Optus uh, by a fair bit during that year. It was about round five or seven or something like that. And they peppered us in the first quarter, and the mids and the backs just held up with the defending the, the D50, and then uh, we got on a roll, and Nick got on top in the ruck and stuff like that. So when we won that game, I thought, okay because Richmond were red hot those couple of years, we're going to be in the mix. And then at the back end of the year, because in 16, we were probably the form team going to the finals and the Doggies beat us in the first week of the finals yep. and they won the flag. Um, and I thought, oh, I remember thinking in 18, I was thinking, oh, it doesn't matter how good you're going when you get to the finals, you can win it from anywhere because of that game. But then it doesn't matter what form, if you're top of the ladder and you're in the best form, it doesn't mean you're going to win it but the the vibe was good like the the connection internally was good it was it wasn't about the on-field form it was about the connection within the group that i could see so or that i felt and that's just from my point of view but uh but then even now talking about your look at shep you know is his worse than yours you getting dropped and Mm. you know so i don't want to harp on your thing before but it's my podcast yeah well there you go so that's That that doesn't surprise me. I reckon reckon,
2: uh, I've lived off some coattails and carry on a bit about winning the 2018 flag by myself but uh, it's complete carry on those who know me. Uh, What's not carry on? One thing I reflect on is it was probably your well your your uh, best one-on-one coaching with me in my career and again I don't know if you remember this but um, I play in the prelim after missing the qualifying we beat uh, melbourne smashing and uh basically the question then goes to who's going to play on to go at the time colin we were playing one out in the goal and including the entire side out of the forward half basically they were playing like yep. this weird ass and very early on in that week you told me that i had i was playing that role and then it wasn't till right before we flew out we're flying out on the thursday like we usually did and right before we left the the um the, the club we sat down for 20 minutes not a long meeting and i said right how am i playing on to going mm. and you you had mapped up mapped out exactly how i was going to play on him and how i was going to beat him and the position the starting positions basically that i had to work on do you remember that
3: yeah because he only sort of led one direction yeah was it just
2: to the left it was to the outside yeah, yeah so yeah. the starting position praddy and i always work heavily on starting positions but it'd be back shoulder front shoulder this one was unique, and I've never done it before and never did it again, was uh, outside front shoulder. So I'd always start in front of him, and i always be on the outside of the ground, pushing him back into the middle of the ground, which is where our numbers were going to be. Oh, the that's right, yeah. Brass, because they like to open up leading lanes on the outside of the ground. Yep. And yeah, that's I credit right. a lot of the one-on-one stuff that lots of people like giving me credit to, to our 20-minute conversation that day.
3: Yeah, I will. If, if you had to kick six, then I would have looked like an idiot, wouldn't I? So, oh, look, I think at the end of the day, I think the will to win kicks in a lot of the time. So, well, there was there was contests all day from both teams, and that was that was a really good game of footy because of the ebbs and flows. But so many contests in that game from both teams where you're out of position and somehow get a hand in. But um, I think if you can get as a as the last layer of defence, if you can get your starting position right. Might give you eight percent, ten percent, bit of chance. Mm-hmm. So that's what you got right that that day, and then the other part comes down to what I spoke about at the very be- early was when you get drafted, you got talent, but the mental toughness, whether it's will to win, whatever you want to call it, that's that takes over. So yeah, yeah, that was um that was a really good game to be part of. What's the lot when the siren goes in the box? Um, Winning flag. Well. Oh, so I was just reflecting. I was just thinking about you, actually, on that day. Well, that, that was probably the best game you ever played. Yeah. It was That's up there. No, you, you did play some better ones than that, I would have thought. But I think playing your role was a good day. Mm. Um, and then just to connect, everyone connected up, especially after the backs. I'll say we, because I was the backline coach. We gave up the first five goals <laughs> of the game. But, uh yeah, see, so I remember things like the quarter time speech rather than th- events in the game. I wasn't I, listening. I, yeah, I well, never I, used to listen. You know, yeah, no, I, I know that, I know <laughs> that, but uh, it's interesting how what people remember. But uh, the coaches, there was four seconds to go on the clock when Yoey got the ball, so and he kicked it back in. So I was, I was the first person to celebrate because I was looking at the clock because the ball's in our 450 for so long in that last period, last bit. And I, as soon as it hit four seconds, like when he touched it, it, was how long was left on the clock, and we knew we'd won. So it would have been similar with the granny that's just gone past. Like it's not until really late that you know you win. Like if you win by ten, ten goals at three o'clock time, you're like
2: how good's this? Like coaches' boxes are pretty quiet too. People might think they're loud, they're quiet. There's not a lot going on.
3: No, nah, you only talk about things you need to, and like you try to keep it quiet. It's hard. It, it gets emotional in there more. Because you watch, it's hard not to watch the game when the game gets close because you're, tr- you're trying to do your, your job. And then you know, when the game gets close, you start spectating sometimes. So we're lucky that day we were able to keep pretty on task because we lost the momentum from the very, it was probably like the seven, eight minute mark. We lost momentum of the game and was trying to work out how to get back. But coach's box what percentage is it i don't know Like you can move a couple of things around Like win that as soon as we put an extra behind the ball in that first quarter when they kicked five in a row chris main came straight down so they'd pre-planned so it's like well how do you influence but did it make a difference did it was it just enough to stop the momentum so the coaches box is really interesting it's probably how do you keep individuals on task and and then give clear messages at the breaks to those who listen mm. Do, yeah. you,
0: do you get on the phone, on the box?
3: Yeah, I try to talk to a play, the player every time they come off. So there's a set rotation. So every four minutes someone comes off and some guys like to talk. Some guys don't want to hear my voice. Uh, some Louis Jetta tells me what pizza he's going to order that night. So there's <laughs> um, different. Yeah, all different. Shannon Hearn gets a massage and he'll sometimes I don't talk to him because he doesn't like being spoken to all the time and about things. Or it might just be, oh, mate, can you just make sure we stay on top of this? It's more like um, reinforcing messaging rather than, or seeing how guys are going. Like if you have two goals kicked on you in a row and then you come off, like just hearing the tone, you can hear in the tone of the voice what mood the player's in.
2: Yep. What do you blokes do in match committee? What do you do in there?
3: Uh, we pick the team, work out the strategy, work out training, uh, work out the week.
2: Um, how often match committee selecting the team, is there a button of heads? Oh, most of the time is there a robust discussion about like that's what it it exists for right
3: yeah yeah it is yeah well you've got players playing waffle who you want to who are in form want to come in you might talk about players who are out of form in the waffle it's like how can we help or this you talk about so much like Mm -hmm. and it's um it does jump around a lot so we'll be doing the team and then something will come up and then you talk about that then you come back to the team usually by the end of the day every day you sort of Run through the team, what it's going to look like, and from a Monday to the Friday, it might might change a little bit. But yeah, it just all depends on what's happening um with the team and the form and during the week.
2: You got anything else you want to ask, Praddy? Got a lot. Let's go to social media. uh That's right, it's Praddy. I know you like that, mate. Not so. Oh, there's quite a few here. Let's fucking get into it. Thanks. Social media. Simon Blake ninety four. We'll move you. Up. We got we got not long left, and we get you out the door. Yep. Simon Blake ninety four.
0: Uh, this says, "Why is our weakness always defending small forwards? Is it by choice?"
2: It would be in reference to West Coast. You can answer. Um,
3: it oh, I don't know if that that's completely true, but well, we're we'll pretty good for a while. Brad Shepard was probably one of the better defenders I've seen playing smalls. Um,
0: that's good. JWtb yeah. underscore. Uh, who's the most underrated defender at your time at West Coast?
3: Uh Probably Brad Shepherd. The backs, will they like me saying that? Or
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. T- Tom, Tom Cole or Brad Shepard? T-double score. Dizzy a lot, Tom Corbin. Anyway. Uh,
0: in your opinion, what's one attribute needed for these positions? Full back, center half back, back pocket, half back flight. Just
2: go key position. and. Uh, yep. Key
3: position, uh, elite craft, or if you want to be good, the best, best elite craft, um, aggression in the contest, smalls, uh, being able to, being clean and
2: tough, keep your feet. I mean, we sort of covered it. Yeah. If you want to, the, the next one. Uh,
0: what's it like co- coaching Will Schofield?
2: No, add, I, add some humour into it if you no. want, because you gave the serious stuff.
0: No, well, yeah. It's. My first, he ever, has he ever been able to convince you to get him back in the team? Uh, after dropping?
3: Uh, I, I don't let players influence me on the decision I'll make in match committee. Yep, wish including Scully. Wish, wish I knew that back then. <laughs> <laughs> you spent hours
0: and hours. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't,
3: I don't let their sell. They sell, yeah, they sell yeah. themselves to me. I, I I did it when I was a player, and I'm like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Yep. There you go. So what was it like coaching me? I like coaching you. Mm. That's good. We were honest, and um, we got reward for effort. Anything you didn't like? Um, my first, actually, my very first backline meeting. I don't know if you remember this. I had it was I presented something on self awareness, and I, it was directed. It was directed towards you're one of the people about how you influence others. So I really wanted to control, like as much as I could, how much you influenced in the right way and the wrong way because you a very strong personality and opinions, uh, very forthright, and some of them were really knowledgeable opinions. So. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's what we need to be heard. So that was one thing I enjoyed doing when I was coaching you is manage, like working through our relationship in that space. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything you didn't like? I'll ask it again. Uh, no, no. There's no player who I haven't liked coaching. And I think – I do think about
2: conversations or relationships all the time. What Even you, from my what first What used to year. piss you off about me? Can i be more direct.
3: <laughs> Uh, then, no, when, 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 your, when your opinions didn't align with what we're trying to do. Or fact. Well, well <laughs> if they're, they're, they were facts to you, they were facts <laughs> to you. They were opinions. I, I'm, I'm a bit like you and I'll, I'll say something and it sounds like a fact. I, I think it's a fact, but it's just my opinion. Um, and my opinion was that you thought, your opinions were facts at yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's good. To see? He doesn't even know that's not even a, a fact. Uh, c <laughs> D cow. Uh, yeah.
0: uh did Schofield really win us the twenty eighteen premiership? Or were you thinking uh when his antics unfolded?
3: Oh, uh, which antics? When he the run down the middle of okay. the ground one? Oh, oh look, uh, it took a bit of maturity to decide to do that. Um didn't eventuate to anything. But uh oh, look, he he played he played um well Gov ended up on go yeah. And, that's correct. And he took a hanger on my check. So, yeah, so. um no, I'll, I'll you say you judge. you won the game for us, mate. Well done. <laughs>
0: uh, uh,
2: Corbett Lucas.
0: Uh, thoughts on Oscar Allen down back? Oh, what a man! I love him. Um,
3: <laughs> he's that he takes he takes defending so personally. But he he's a I reckon he's a backman at heart. Yep, yeah, but he's a great forward. So.
2: This was one we, that, we, that we missed, Amy J. Hunt. Uh,
0: how was your experience coaching the AFLW women's?
2: That, that's some of the most fun I've had
3: coaching in a while. I'd change a lot of the ways I coached, a lot of things I did, um, and I learned so much. I really enjoyed it. I saw Swanny Emma Swanson was on here the other week, and she's a great leader. Yep, club's lucky they got her. The Eggman. Uh, how do you like your eggs? Uh, poached. Good. Runny. If they're not runny, I'll send them back. <laughs> do you? Yeah. They're yeah, good. I'll say they're not runny. Is that right? Do you really? What's the point of having, you may as well fry them?
2: Oh, I, just, <laughs> I just hate that moment of like, excuse me, I ordered runny eggs and not runny enough. You wouldn't say that. No, oh, You'd just sit through a hard uh, yolk. Mate, if I ordered a steak and they put out chicken, I'd eat the chicken. <laughs> you know that <laughs> I, I, I don't care lie. about food.
3: Yeah, no, but do you not care? Or you, no, I, well, I think I I'm don't care because I reckon if you worried about it he would definitely say something yeah
2: backchat double underscore on socials backchatstudios.com.au is all of our stuff there fleet network powering the podcast this year Swimpley Whippersnapper Whiskey Muggot River Roasting Co Bluebet Shelter Brewing Co Leadable Cameras and uh, Mumba Digital a very big thank you to our sponsors our partners Daniel Pratt thank you for joining us mate it's been fun
3: uh, brilliant guys it was a good chat <laughs>